right? Yes, glory. Seriously, do a study on glory. There's an excellence that comes with the glory of God. There's something about it, and God's calling us into it as a church. And um, who, all, who all is going to be here tonight? Just, wow. So, you know you need to come early, just so you know. And you do know that it's, there's probably going to be as many people as we can legally fit into this room tonight, right? Yeah? How many have invited somebody? How many of them, they said they would come with you? That's awesome. Very cool. They still may. Um, you guys know I'm addicted to Starbucks. I do have an addiction. I go to S.A. S.A. Starbucks Anonymous. And uh, it's true. It's not, it's, it's very true. So, uh, we go to the same one because we like to build a relationship and no other Starbucks can make coffees as good as the one that I go to. So, and I know Starbucks is not inferior, is not superior coffee and Matt could correct me later on what's really good coffee and stuff like that. But for my needs, Starbucks works very well. And uh, so there's a, there's one, we, we know all the people that work there and it's kind of cool because when we come through the drive-thru, if they have new people, they're like, oh, hey, we need you to meet this, this guy and his wife. They come here all the time, and they're so nice and so sweet and blah, blah, blah. So we, we've really got a lot. There's, I don't know, 20 people that work there, and we, like, know all of them, and we really like them all, and they like us. And so um, this last two days ago, I went in to get caught. It was yesterday morning, and there's a girl that works there. I, th- I think her name's Desiree, and she's been there for a, a while, and we've seen her, and she's just been really nice, and and whatnot, we've just struck up conversation, and so the other day, she was telling me she uh, volunteers at Millwood for 40 hours a week as part of her um, program that she's going through to be a counselor and all that kind of stuff, and so I was just like, man, that's so awesome that you do that, we got into a long conversation, I'll cut it short, Um, so she's like, well, what do you do, and so this whole time, I've been going to Starbucks, loving on these people, and they didn't even know what I was or who I was, and so they're like, well, what do you do, I was like, "I'm, I'm a pastor, are you serious? I was like, yeah, I am. And they're like, well, where? I'm like, right down the street. It's called the Bridge Church. And I told them where it was. And so they were like, that, that's so cool. We had no idea. And um, I was like, eh, pastors aren't supposed to be nice, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> so, so I come back uh, uh, yesterday, and I go through the drive-thru, and this is the first thing she says to me. She says, I went to your website, and I looked y'all up. I was like, oh, really? That's cool. And she says, I see that you went to SAGU, which is Southwestern Assemblies of God University. I said, I did. She said, I just graduated from there. I was like, get out of here. Are you serious? She said, I got my degree in counseling, psychology, that kind of stuff. I was like, my goodness, it's such a small world. She goes, well, me and my roommate are going to probably come to your church Sunday night. I was like, really? She said, yeah. She said, now, is it open for everyone? I was like, yeah, it is. And she says, the only thing we're trying to figure out is our church meets on Sunday night. And so come to find out, we know the church that she goes to. And so I didn't even invite her to come. They went to the website and just, I just want to tell these stories because they're happening. Not just with me, not with people that are supposed to do this because it's how we live. Our, you know, we're pastors. It's the way we do life. And, and your testimony of being a good person goes a lot further than sometimes. A lot further than preaching to people or whatever. You understand what I'm saying from... So you can be the meanest person in the world and preach to them, and it's what they need to hear. But if you're nice to them and you preach to them, it's the kindness of God, right? So you guys with me? 
So what I'm trying to say is do more nice things. Be, be friendly. If they get your coffee wrong, don't just, you know, get mad and throw it, throw it on the ground. You know, you're mad. <laughs> this isn't an extra caramel caramel macchiato, so I threw it on the ground. <laughs> I'm not part of your system. Jesus, help me. So, yeah. How many have stories like that where people have, have sought you out? You, I know I've heard people. Yeah, good. Keep going for it. Just be nice people. Be the nicest people that they can come in contact with. Everyone should want to be a Christian. Everyone laughed because you know that's not the reputation we have. But everyone should want to be a Christian because everyone wants to be around Jesus. Except religious people. But everyone else wants to be around Jesus. Alright, that's all. Tonight's going to be great. So we're looking forward to it. It's going to be amazing. Uh, there will be time for impartation tonight. I mean, how many believe in impartation? You know what I'm talking about when I say that? It's like a church word. We don't talk about that in the world. But basically, we believe that people can lay hands on us, pray over us, and release things and unlock things inside of us. And so we're, we're believing tonight that that's going to happen, that Teresa, is going to, Teresa and their team is going to release something over us. We're already a creative church. You just look around. There's creative people everywhere here. But there's more ways of being creative than doing art and singing and all that stuff. So God's going to unlock the creativity that's inside of us. You know, I always say that administrators are creative. Yep. You, you think of an administrator, someone who's very organized, that they're not creative because everything has to be in order. But that, to me, is creative. Yeah. And that probably is because I'm a little bit OCD in some areas. But to me, that's so creative that they can organize and keep things the way they're supposed to be. So you may think, I'm not creative, I don't have creativity, then it's especially for you, right? All right. Well, Lord, we just thank you for all that you're doing. I thank you for where we're at as a church, where we're going. Uh, I thank you because all the things that you say about us are true. Every word you say about us is true, God. And we just thank you for us. You speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. If you want to open to First uh, Samuel 17. I want to read a couple of scriptures and then just the other day the Lord just gave me this as a, a download. I, it's something I wrote, so I'm probably actually going to read a lot of what I say in the next few minutes. Um, the Lord just gave me a download of some thoughts and it's for our church. It's, it's, it was for me, it's for our church, it's for where we're going. And so uh, I want to talk about David's coming out party. I don't know why, but I have that song in my head. I'm coming out so you. Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so I'm hearing that. Like that's, uh, that's David's coming out party. I hear it, I hear it coming out. Um, the, the whole story here, and I, again, because of time, I can't read all of this, but it's in, in 1 Samuel 15, 16, and 17 is the whole story and the background of what I want to talk to you about today. But I do want to read the end of the story, and then I want to go back into it, all right? So... First uh, Samuel 17, verse 38, it says, Then Saul clothed David with his garments, and put a bronze helmet on his head, and, and clothed him with armor. And David took the sword um, over his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. So David said to Saul, I cannot go into battle with these, I haven't tested them. And David took them off, and he took his stick in his hand, <laughs> and chose for himself five smooth stones from the, from the brook. And put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. It was his pouch, and his sling was in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. 
Then the Philistine came and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. When the Philistine, Philistine, I better say it right every way, the same way every time I say it, huh? When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He hated him. He was, he was absolutely, um, what would be the word? He was insulted that they would send this little boy out to fight him, the champion of the whole Philistine army. He was insulted. So he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Like he's going to go fetch the stick, you know? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. He just began to curse him. And he said to him, come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. Then David said to Goliath, to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, <laughs> the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have betrayed, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down, and I will remove your head from your body, and I will give your dead body and the body of the armies of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky." So David's saying, I see you're, you're going to feed me to the birds, and I raise you, I'm going to feed your whole army to the birds. <laughs> and I'm going to, and the, and the wild beasts of the earth, that the whole earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And that this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or by spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into my hands. Then it happened when the Philistine rose and came and drew near to meet David, that David ran quickly toward the battle. I love that picture of David running straight at this nine-foot, ten-foot-tall man, beast of a man. He just runs at him because he was young and crazy, right? He runs toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand into his bag and took from it a stone, and, and, and he slung it. And it struck the Philistine on his forehead, and the stone sank deep into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. He threw him to the ground. <laughs> so David prevailed over Goliath the Philistine with a sling and a stone. And he struck him and killed him. But there was no sword in David's hand. So David ran over and stood over the Philistine and took his own sword and took it out of the sheath and killed him and cut his head off with his own sword. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they ran like little girls. Sorry, girls. <laughs> Sorry, ladies. My bad. I'm not very PC. They ran like little children. Sorry, little kids. There's no one I can insult, you know. <laughs> They ran like scaredy cats. There we go. No one really likes cats anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. The only cat that's acceptable is a lion or a cheetah or a bobcat. Any other cat by any other name is not going to be... <laughs> so they ran... So the men of Israel and Judah arose and shouted, and they pursued the Philistines all the way to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. 
and they slayed, they killed the Philistines along the way, even to all these cities that I can't pronounce. They just destroyed them. They slaughtered them to the right, to the left, front, back. They completely destroyed them. And then after they did that and chased them off and killed them, they plundered their camps and took, away, took all their goods and all their wealth. Then David took the Philistine's head and he carried it back into camp. <laughs> How awesome is that? Don't we always just love that story? Even Hollywood and, and the world loves the David and Goliath story. It's just unbelievable, but it's real, it's true. And so there's some things that I want to I say that I see something inside of us. And the Lord just, and again, I'm probably going to read most of this. And then we'll close and we're going to release some Davids in this room. And Davidettes in this room. Amen. Josiah wants to be a David, yeah? How many kids want to be like David? Just fearless. I'm a kid, so yeah, I've raised my hand. David carried deliverance in him as a shepherd when he was all alone in the fields with the sheep. He already, was a, he already carried the ability to deliver a nation. It was already inside of him. Yet he was all alone by himself in the fields where no one knew where he was, no one knew what he was doing, no one heard the songs that he was writing, no one heard the poems that he was writing to his God. He was by himself. Yet he carried deliverance for the whole nation. So I wanted to speak to those that you feel like you do things and no one sees it. Remember this. There's a deliverer inside of you. Alright? There's a deliverer inside of you. Do not neglect good deeds. Do not stop sowing good seed because you haven't seen fruit from it. It says if you faint not, if you don't quit, you will reap the harvest. So while David was out on the fields, he stirred his passion and his love for God. But he did it in a, in, a, in a place of solitude. It was all by himself. And he just stirred his love for God. Everything he did was to stir his passion for God. He was unbelievable. He had a heart after God. He was the apple of God's eye. Amen? <clears throat> Even David didn't know that he carried deliverance inside of him until a bear came and tried to take one of his sheep. He didn't even know what was inside of him until a test came, until a trial came. One that he wasn't equipped to win in, in his own eyes. Yet something inside of him, a nature that was second nature, took over. And you know the story. He takes the bear and rips it apart with his bare hands. He didn't know until that moment what he could do. So then the lion comes and then he had a testimony of what he can do. And he was beginning to believe that he carries the deliverer inside of him so he does the same thing to the lion you guys still with me the world was happening without David while he was out in the fields learning the excellence of God's glory the whole world was going on without him his nation was going to war without him and here he is the deliverer for the nation out in the fields by himself writing love songs to God when no one is even around him no one even knows where he's at no one even cares that he's out there But he was stewarding his gifts in solitude. Dude, this is such a big deal. We don't do the things that God's called us to do because other people see us do them. We don't do the right thing because we get an immediate reward for doing the right thing. We do the right things and we do the things that we do that are godly because we love God and because it's the right thing to do. He's the reward. 
And so David, all by himself, was learning his value system was to do what was right, regardless of the praise that he would get or no praise. He just did what was right. When we steward our gifts in excellence, the Bible says that our gifts will make room for us. Our gifts will make room for us. And it says we'll stand before kings. Amen? You guys still with me? So the world was happening without, without him until a prophet was told that the kings needed to be changed. The king needed to be, to be removed from office because he disobeyed God. And Samuel's like, really? You, you want to anoint a new king now? He's like, yes, I want you to anoint a new king. And I want you to go to this man's house named Jesse. And I want you to see all of his sons. <clears throat> and I want you to anoint one of them king. They didn't even invite David to the party. That would be like the president coming to our house and no one telling us. Everyone else got the, the email or the evite. Every other family member was there but us. We were left out. That's what happened with David. I mean, in, in the Bible times, the prophets worked with the kings. And they were, they were like second in power and authority. They were huge. So this was a big deal. And David, they didn't even bother to send him the memo. They just left him out in the fields. Oh, he's just a little boy. He's out there taking care of the sheep. These sons are far more ready to be king than he is. So they didn't even care. Yet they went one after another, after another, after another. And nope, he's not the king. I, nope, he, he looks like the king, but he's not. Nope, no. Nope. And he's like, okay, look. Do you have any other kids, any other sons? Well, you know, I, I know God told me. He's like, oh yeah, we do have one son, but he's a runt. He's out in the fields. He's not even, you know, a mature man yet. He's like, well, bring him here. Let me look at him. And immediately, when Samuel sees him, God says, don't look at his outward appearance. Because man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. And Samuel looked in, and he saw what God saw. He saw this boy who was out by himself, getting no praise, getting no glory, singing songs about the God that he loved. Taking care of the sheep that he was put to steward even against lions and bears. Do you know that <laughs> no one even knew, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> Until later in this story, no one even knew that he did that. They didn't know that he killed a lion and a bear with his bare hands. I'm sorry, but if I killed a squirrel with my bare hands, every one of you would know it. <laughs> I'm telling you the truth. I'd be bringing that squirrel in here. Hey, guys, you see, the, these are my hand marks on this squirrel. <laughs> And David had no one to tell. He couldn't put it on Twitter or Facebook. Nobody knew. <laughs> so Samuel looks in him. And Samuel prophesies over him, you will be the next king of Israel. Basically, he prophesied and said, God sees your heart. And your heart is the one to, to lead this nation. Your heart is obedient to God. Your heart beats after God. It burns for God. You're the one. And then they send him back out to the fields. The world continued to happen without him, even though he was supposed to be the next king. So he's back in solitude again with a new identity. I'm a king, but I'm a shepherd. And no one's even out here with me. Man. So they leave him out there until they needed him to, to run another errand for him. 
So they call for him. Hey, David, we need you to take some supplies to the army. There's a war going on in case you didn't know. Yeah, he was the deliverer of the nation. I wonder why the Israelites, I think it was 30 days or whatever it was that, that Goliath came out to meet and asked for someone to fight him and no one did. I wonder if, if the Lord caused all of that or allowed that stuff to go on so that David could get there. You know, you think about stuff like that and everyone was afraid and even Saul, who was head and shoulders taller than every other Israelite, was scared. No one would fight him. So they're, hey David, we need you to send supplies. So you know the story, he goes out there and he fulfills the need that his family asked him to fulfill. Even though he was the king, he was already anointed to be king, even though he carried the deliverer inside of him who destroyed a lion and a bear with his bare hands, he took the basket of cheese and bread and whatever else was in the bath, the picnic basket, and he delivered it like an errand boy. And while he's there delivering this, he hears the stuff going on. He hears this Philistine who's cursing his God the God that he fell in love with by himself when no one was around. <laughs> the God he burned for. He wasn't used to people talking about his God that way. He was only used to his terms to describe God. Beautiful. I want to sit in your temple. I want to look into your eyes of beauty. I want to gaze upon you day and night. He was used to that being how God was talked about. So when he got into an atmosphere that was contrary to the atmosphere he lived in, it bothered him. And he's like, what's going on, guys? Hey, brothers, hey, what's this? Well, this guy is making fun of God, and we're all scared. He's like, well, what happened to the guy who goes and kills him? Oh, well, he, you know, he gets to marry the king's daughter, and he gets all this money. He's like, well, dude, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I've been out in the fields by myself forever. I'd like a reward. I mean, come on. <laughs> but I want you to see something before we go on. He delivered the food. He did what they asked him to do. He didn't say, I'm the king, man. Why are you asking me to do this menial task? He had favor as a servant, so he served. Amen, that's right. This is a big deal, okay? Sometimes we may know that God's already spoken a new identity over us. He's already called us into a new season. Yet not everyone recognizes it yet. And so they're asking us to do things that seem like old season. Because that's the favor that we have with those people. We need to serve in the favor we have with people. It's a big deal. I'm too good to do that. I'm, I've moved beyond that. God has anointed me for something else. That's all completely true. But we serve according to our favor. We serve according to our favor. Not according to our ambitions. Not according to the identity that's placed on us. And it was David's serving that created an opportunity. It was David allowing himself to be humbled as a servant. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Allowing himself to be humbled as a servant and serve that he even realized the issue that his nation faced. Good 
It was a service that he'd outgrown. After all, this is their attitude. Who needs a king? We already have a king. In seasons of transition, you'll feel that you'll see this mixed into the to the season. People that are under the influence of the old season will see no value in the new season. Why do we need the new? This is good right here. Why do we need a ship? Why do we need a king? We've got the best king we could ever have. We voted this guy in. Saul was the best. What do we need another king for? It even shows Saul's heart. He had already disobeyed God, and God had already taken his hand off of him when this story is going on. Yet the people didn't know. The nation didn't know. Because Saul begged Samuel, please honor me in front of the elders and the people. Please don't tell what's going on. Please don't reveal what's really taking place. Because I want their honor. I want their praise. You guys see this whole thing is just filled with stuff. I'll speed through it pretty quick now. So as David is serving in the capacity that he has favor for, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever tried to, to serve in an area you didn't have favor? Even though you, maybe it was your identity or your DNA and you, you could do it, but there was no favor attached to it, it's, it's, it's frustrating. But how many knows what it feels like when you serve where you have favor? There's just a different feel to it. It doesn't mean that you won't ever step into that new identity and be able to serve according to your new identity. It just means that you got to let your favor catch up to it. I can tell a story from my, my personal life. I was 18 years old, just graduated high school when our youth pastor left. And the church was foolish and said, hey, Jared loves God. Make him the youth pastor. I was 18 years old. I didn't have favor to lead a youth group. It took quite a few years for me to earn the favor to go with my new identity. So you know what Jared did for a lot of years while he was leading his youth ministry? I, I helped load senior citizens onto vans. I helped feed. I helped set up tables. I had to clean out a toxic waste dump of a house that our church owned at the time. There was all kinds of things that I had to do, and I promise you, there was many occasions where I was like, dude, I'm a youth pastor now. Why am I doing this? Because my favor hadn't caught up with my identity yet. So, (laughs) grow in your favor until it matches your identity. Does that make sense? Don't be frustrated that people don't see you yet the way you are. That's why a culture of honor is a big deal. We can speed this process up. By honoring people for who God says they are and treating them the way God sees them. This isn't an excuse to treat people poorly. This doesn't give us an out to say, no, I don't have to see the prophetic declarations over them and treat them accordingly. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying it's human nature. Favor grows. You guys still good? So as David served in that area, he got there and he realized what they really needed wasn't the, the bread and the cheese. They needed a deliverer. And David knew who he was. So David volunteers, right? He realized what was inside of him wasn't just for himself when he was out there by himself when no one else was around. 
it was for the nation. I mean, what's the throne that Jesus is going to come sit back on? What's it called? The throne of David. That was set up before time. He's going to come back and sit on the throne of David. David was made for this before he ever knew he was. And as the, the, the things started to fall in place, well, I killed a lion and I killed a bear. I love God. I write these songs. God has my heart. He talks to me. We have this relationship that no one else has. No one knows about it yet, but he starts putting the pieces together. And now Samuel, the prophet, has anointed me to be the next king. And he starts to believe who he is. So he's running this errand and he hears about it. And he's like, I can solve this. And he goes for it. He's like, this isn't just for me to hoard on myself. This is for everyone. What I carry, what you carry, what David carried wasn't just for himself. It was for an entire nation of people. The things that are inside of you, this, the history you're creating with God, is not just your private journal, private diary history with God. It's not just yours. No one in this room, none of our relationships belong to us with God. None of our relationship with God belongs to us. It's everybody's. We're to be poured out. I'm a, I, I, I'm a very private person. and I think probably the, the greatest thing over the last five years that, that has been pulled on me is don't just hide. Give more of what you're thinking, what you're feeling. And, and I feel that. How many else are feeling some of those things? Don't just have those encounters with God and keep it to yourself. They're for everyone. They're for everyone around you. Don't feel that burning passion to preach the gospel, Nick, and feel like, oh, it's just me. No, tell everybody, Nick. Tell everybody about the gospel. We were talking about this last week. It just came to mind. Like, he doesn't have to keep this inside. He's not an evangelist just for him. It's for all of us to experience the evangelism. You know what I'm talking about? The gifts inside of you are not just for you. It's not just like, oh, it's a little party for you and God only. It's for everybody. You guys still with me? Let's close it out. And <clears throat> he realized that what was missing in the world that was going on without him was what God was stirring up when he was by himself. How many have ever walked into a situation and you had a solution that you didn't know that you had until you walked into the room and there was a problem and you were ready to meet the needs? <laughs> I feel like that's where we're at as a church. I feel like there's, that God's been doing something really deep in us. How many, how many feel it personally? Just doing something really deep and we didn't know what it is yet. We don't know what it means. We, we feel it. We, we're experiencing it. It's fun. But now God's saying, it's not just for you. It's not just for in this house. It's not just for your prayer closet. It's for everybody. If you keep it, it will die. If you give it away, it will flourish. Cast your bread on the water and it will return more to you than what you cast on the water. I feel the Lord saying this to the Bridge Church, to every individual in this room. The things that you know about God aren't just for you. They're not yours. You do not have intellectual property trademark rights to those things. It's everybody. It's for everybody. So when they're like, hey, you can't do this, David. You're just a shepherd boy. He's like, wait, 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 wait. I killed a lion with my bare hands, guys. And I killed a bear. That's right. I don't see anyone else out here. Yep. I did that. As a matter of fact, you know, the coat I'm wearing is the bear coat that I made from the bear I killed. That's what I would have done. Or a rug in my house. 
right at the entrance. So when everyone comes in, I can tell them the story, even if they've heard it before. I killed that bear with my bare hands. Yep. Oh, the lion? Yeah, I'd, him too. Yeah. <laughs> it's all right. So he tells them the story. He's testifying what God's done. Testimony is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So he's not just trying to prove to them he can do this. He's seeding the atmosphere with a deliverance spirit. <laughs> oh, I, I took care of the lion and the bear. This, this Philistine, he's, he'll be nothing. He'll be nothing. I'll do the same thing to him. He's prophesying into the atmosphere. He's creating an atmosphere for heaven to come. So David was still a servant. But he served with the heart of a king. And I love how Bill talks about that a lot. He says, you know, we should rule with the heart of a servant and we should serve with the heart of a king. And that's what David began to do in the moment. He's like, I can fix this. And so I'm going to provide a service. I'm going to take care of this guy myself. And, and I'm going to go after him and I'm going to kill him. I'm going to feed him to the birds. And I'm going to, the whole army, we're going to feed you all to the birds. Because no one talks about the God I love like that. Who God gets talked down to, talked, defamed, cursed more than anyone. And I, I just want the, the passion, the zeal that David had, the zeal that Jesus had. I want it to consume us again. That when people don't see God the way He is, that we get fired up. And we're like, no, God's not like that. He's like this. No, he's really not like that. We've, we've had it wrong. We messed up. He didn't mess up. But here's how he really is. I, I, as we just we feel this in the atmosphere, there's sickness and disease that we get frustrated. This can't happen. God's the healer. He's the healer. We can't, just, you know what I'm talking about? With that zeal for God and for the things of God consume us like it did David, like it did Jesus. He couldn't let it go on. He couldn't let it go on because that was the God he loved. You try to talk about my wife and I will show you I can kill a lion with my bare hands. Men in the room, you know what I'm talking about. Ladies, yeah. I would not mess with you more than I wouldn't mess with the men. <laughs> Ladies are tougher than men. It's just a fact. But man, you talk about your husbands, talk about your kids, and, and you ladies can do the same thing. You, you do a bear with each hand, you know. You really are ringing around your head and throw them. <laughs> I was telling Nia she had her gold... I was like, you look like Wonder Woman up there with your gold bracelets. <laughs> oh, but man, when people talk about God, when they talk about Him either, either in a cursing way, not words, not curse words, how ridiculous. I'm talking about talk down to God, talk bad about who God is, assault His character, assault His nature, nature or, or paint Him in a light that's not really Him, that we should rise up and say, no, He's not like that. You guys good? So David couldn't live any longer letting the world that was going on without him not have what he had. He couldn't let He couldn't let the carousel keep going without him jumping on and revealing what he knew about God. <clears throat> it's really cool that after he slays the giant, all of a sudden, hey, they're coming out of the rocks. They're coming out of the caves. They're jumping out. I just see it. It's like, they, whoa, this little kid. 
just killed him with a slingshot, and they just roar. I can just see him pouring out on the mountainside, jumping up at once, hiding in the water with a straw under the water, you know. <laughs> and he's like coming up ready to go. He like slicks his hair back, and he's going to war, you know. These guys are just ready. Why? Because one, one person, it wasn't, it wasn't what he did on that day. Listen to me. It wasn't just what he did on that day. It was what he learned out by himself in solitude. And it was what happened in his heart that made that day even possible. They saw that. That gave him favor with them. He killed a new giant and it gave them new favor. But he had already carried that all along. He let the secret out. He let the secret out. It's time for us to let the secret out. How do you want to let the secret out? There's a, this was the secret he wanted everyone to know. That there's a God in Israel. And he doesn't win with sword and spears. He wins by the voice that he speaks with. Oh, I just think about that. He wins by just speaking that's what David wanted. I want to kill you so that everyone would know that there's a God in Israel. And he's the Lord of the host of God's army. That's what he wanted them to know. He wanted them to know that. He didn't want just the reward that came with killing this guy. That was just extra. You might as well, yeah, bonus. You guys good? When David was by himself, he learned that God plus him made a majority. When, when Mandy and I first encountered Bill Johnson about 10 or 11 years ago, no, he wasn't Bill Johnson that everyone knew. It was in, a, it was in my dad's church of maybe 50 ministers there. And Bill said that to Mandy and I. He pulled us up on the stage and we got to pray for the sick and see people healed. Mandy was healed. I mean, it was an unbelievable night. But the he pulled us aside and he prophesied over us and spoke into us. And he looked at, and he told us that. He said, you plus God makes a majority. And I've been trying to learn that lesson ever since. That no matter what obstacles there, no matter what giant, no matter what lion or bear or issue comes up, if I'm on God's side, I'm going to win. Someone I love to listen to, I, I just won't say his name, but someone I love to listen to said, we're not trying to get God to be on our side. We need to be on God's side. Exactly. And I just feel that, that that's that zeal, the fear of the Lord. The Bible says a fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen? So when he, he learned that lesson, that him plus God made a majority, then he came to a, a nation and reminded them that God plus you makes a majority. He reminded, he turned their mind back to the way it was supposed to be because they'd forgotten. Once they were reminded, they act out their new belief system and they jumped out and went to war. See, heaven happens to people who go after God. Heaven happens in people that go after God when no one else is looking, when there's no... King's, king's daughter to be married, no 
riches to be given. Private victories set the stage for public victories. Say that with me. Private victories set the stage for public victories. It's true. So would you stand, and we're just going to pray. I, I really want us to pray this. I, I don't want to do anything else other than this first. I want us to pray that we'll, we'll fall in love with, with who God is again, and that we'll burn with passion for Him. Would you just pray a prayer along those lines? Yes, Lord. I ask that you'd stir up passion in us for you. A passion for you and the things of God. We want to love what you love. Huh. We want you to be our God, and we want to be your people. Set us apart for you. Set us apart for you, God. Give us heartburn. You better make sure you receive that the right way. <laughs> Give us heartburn, God, where our hearts burn for you. Now go serve with the heart of a king, every one of us. Now just give him away free. Free samples everywhere you go. Free samples of God. Free samples of his glory. Yeah? Oh, man. We've got to show this video, but I have to allude to it. Nick posted this on Facebook. It was about a week ago, wasn't it? And it was an interview with Penn Gillette. Anyone know who Penn Gillette is? He's an atheist. Um agnostic pretty much too but uh he's a magician but the the man is he's a very he's a good man he's a if you can be good without god he's good without god that's as far as it goes though but he was telling of a man one day he signs autographs after uh shows and stuff and and so he was talking to a man and this man was a, a christian and had bought him a little bible and it was he, didn't, he was kind of confused with the New Testament, Old Testament thing because he didn't know anything about God. And he knew that Psalms was part of it. And this man wrote a nice, num he was a very wealthy businessman. And he wrote like all of his cell phones and all of his numbers in there and told him, I'm, I'm a Christian, I know that you're not. And he was really, and, and Penn said he was a good man. He was sweet to him. He wasn't judgy. He wasn't, he just said, I, I just want you to have this. And if you ever want to talk about it, you can reach me at any of these numbers. I just want you to know. And Penn says, now, I'm not a Christian. I don't believe that there is a God. He goes, but you know what? And he's like choked up, right? It's such a good, go look at it. The videos, um, we'll, we'll show it soon. He's choked up at how good a man this man was. And he says, you know what? He was trying to proselytize me. He was trying to make me a Christian. He says, but you know what? If you're a Christian and you're not doing this, then you, you're not a Christian. Amen. If you love, if he's like, He's like, if, if I knew that, a, you know, a terrible thing, I can't remember what example, if there was a bomb going to go off or something, if I knew this was going to happen and I didn't tell other people, what kind of a jerk would I be? He goes, and this, and he said this, this is more important than that. And he says, he goes, so he was, he was a good man. And he said that three or four times, he was a good man. And he, and he appreciated the man loving him enough to say, God loves you. And so... 
I, I just wanted that came to mind just now. And I just want to say, go do that. Go be good men and good women. Every man in this room, it's, it, it's a season where men are becoming men again. It's just good in a good way. Where we're, where we're men in such a way that our women can shine at the same time. <laughs> this is what's happening right now. It's an unbelievable season. Men, we're going to be good men and we're going to sow good in the earth. And when people see us, when people do business with you, Stephen, they're going to say, Stephen's a good man. When people do business with you, Grant, Grant's a good man. When people see you, is it Ryan? Ryan, Ryan's a good man. Ryan is a good man. I was, he was standing there at the door with his uh, energy drink, and he didn't come in because he saw the sign. I was like, dude, you're the only person that's ever read that sign. <laughs> I said, go on in, man. That's your room. Good job. You're, Ryan's a good man. Terrence, you're a good man. Jake, you're a good man, man. Everyone in this room. You're a good man. Ladies, you're a good woman. You have grace. You carry the grace. Every woman in Jill, you're a good woman. Bertha, you're a good woman. You carry the grace and the favor of God. So just go be good. Go love people. Go happen. Father, we ask, I ask that you would just send us out <laughs> as people that do good, that represent you well. I pray that we would continue to fall in love with you in the secret place. That in that place you would refine our character. That you would refine our identity and who we are in you. And that as you create the stage for us to reveal what's in our heart, that we would not disappoint God. Uh, that we would bring the deliverance, that we would bring healing, that we would bring breakthrough to the nations. God, you delivered Israel in one day because of David's heart after you. I ask that you would deliver our nation <laughs> to the army of David's being unleashed on it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer for anything else, we have healing banner, salvation banner. Come up there if you need salvation, healing. You need a miracle, come to the middle. We want to pray for you. Come back tonight. Come, come a little early. And we love you guys. You're amazing. Still time to invite people.